right, Carrie. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for your peace and for your mercy, for your forgiveness, for your salvation, Lord. We thank you for freedom and for the privilege of meeting together, God. And Father, we lift up those that don't have that freedom and that privilege, God, and we ask that you would encourage them and sustain them this day, Lord. And we ask that you, Father, would speak to us this morning, God, and that we would be prompted to respond in kind. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, I do pray, God, that we would be hungry and thirsty, Father, for more of you. For truly you are the risen King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the only God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Father, we thank you that your love endures forever. Pray that today we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit, Father. God, that you would bring conviction where conviction is needed, Lord. And that we would repent. We thank you, Father, the, the gift of repentance, Lord. Father, as you bring conviction, as you illuminate the areas of our lives, God, that we have not surrendered to you, Lord. I pray that we wouldn't keep holding back, but that, God, we would truly come to a place of complete surrender to your Lordship. Father, that we would focus and fix our eyes upon you. For truly, these are darkened days, God. And Father, you're calling us to be the light, to go forth, Lord, to burn bright for Jesus, to share the gospel, to serve others, to love others, to live so totally opposite of the ways of this world, Father to live as people who have already been established into your kingdom. Oh God, that we would be a people, Father. God, a remnant in this earth, Father, to do your will. That you would increase our faith, Father, that we will walk by faith and not by sight. God, that we would rise up each morning, Father. God, preparing Lord, each day, our hearts, Lord, to remain steadfast unto Christ, not in and of ourselves, but in sweet communion with you, with the Holy Spirit, because your word says that if we walk with the Spirit habitually, we will not give in to the desires of our flesh. Father, we realize that this new life is found only in Christ. And this new life can only be dependent upon you, not upon us to accomplish, but upon you. Because your word declares that you are faithful to complete that which you have started in us. So thank you, Lord, for awakening us. And thank you for those who may not be awakened, Lord, that you would awaken them. God, that their eyes would begin to see and their ears would begin to hear. And so, Father, we thank you, and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning to everyone. Second Corinthians, chapter 4, or verse 20, our scripture to memorize for the year. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. We're just not holding a form of religion. But we are engaged, if you would, with God through the Holy Spirit to live out the life of Christ. Not the life of Rob, not the life of Norma, not the life of Christine, but the life of Christ. This is our hope each day, you all. No matter where we've been or what we've done or how rebellious we lived, in Christ we are a new creation. It is because of His love It's because of his love that we have this hope, this blessed hope 
to no longer walk enslaved to sin, but to be empowered by Christ to walk in love. Love you all. Not the way of the world, not the way the world thinks of love, but love, the truest essence of love, Christ himself, that we are to reflect him. Now hopefully next week we'll get back up in our series of walking through the Bible, but today we're going to look through some more scriptures. The kind of, my hope is, and my prayer is, is that it would encourage us to have a greater hunger and a thirst for the living God, you all. To have a hunger and a thirst for the living God. Not for the temporal things of this life, but to truly hunger and thirst for God. Like when your eyes are open and you see your need for a Savior, when you realize that everything that the living Word of God has declared is coming to pass, how can we keep denying Him? Man, though man penned this Word, this Word was inspired by the Holy Spirit. These words were written years ago. And yet, everything that has been captured within this word has come to pass and is coming to pass and will come to pass. It's remarkable. I remember when I was growing up, and I think I've shared this story with you all before, but I would always hear about people talking about, you need to get right with God. Jesus is coming back. And they were so passionate about it. But to me, they were foolish. What on earth are these people talking about? It made no sense. But they were passionate in their belief. And there was not, like I said, there wasn't a lot of them. (laughs) There was a few of them in junior high school and high school who would share constantly of this return and their hope and their Savior. And we all laughed at them. We all mocked them. We all made, you know, made fun of them. They were loners. <laughs> we were embarrassed to be around them. And yet every day they were faithful to come in to live differently than the rest of us. And somehow we thought they were odd. But the reality is, is that we were odd. Like we were the ones enslaved to craziness and to foolishness. Because isn't it weird that looking at the way of living right to the world looks wrong? And I shared this with you, I believe, last week. Isn't it crazy that Christians are being, and have been, but let's just talk about our day and age, that they're being slaughtered? Christians. Christians are people who are peaceful, who mind their own business, who work hard, who respect authority. They, are your, they should be the best neighbors, the best workers, the best students. They share the love of God how God came down to rescue man 
from themselves? <laughs> that he gave up his own life for them? Their message is not one of hate. Though there have been different people throughout the years who have called themselves Christians. <laughs> and they use the name of Christ for their own purpose. But a true Christian, the message is not one of hate. It's one of peace. And yet they're being slaughtered. And remember what I told you. And what the Bible says. We, there is a realm in which we cannot see. The spiritual realm. <laughs> and the enemy is out to destroy you. It's funny, all those years I laughed and mocked. Christians and God, the enemy and all of hell was laughing and mocking at me. And just as they have you. Because they have you enslaved to the thinking that this temporal life is all that there is. And so you mock and you reject righteousness, the right way of living, to keep living the way you want to live. To keep feeding what you want to feed and the desires that you want to live by. And you're enslaved. The forces that are killing Christians in and of itself, the natural setting, governments and other people wouldn't want to kill them. They would actually try to just use them. Because again, they're peaceful people. They're hard workers. They're good students. <laughs> They respect authority. They don't step out of line. They live peacefully. They, they are people of good reputation. This is what a Christian should be. And so in the natural, the governments and people wouldn't want to kill them. So your eyes are open to understand it's a spiritual issue. Because hell says, shut them up. Hell says, slaughter them. They can't keep bearing witness to him. Y'all understand that? Hell is behind it. That says, keep mocking them. Keep laughing at them. Remain ignorant. <laughs> Listen. The Christian life bears his image. That's how we're to be living. That's how we're to be growing. And if you don't think there are spiritual forces doing all that they think that they can do to hinder what God has already planned and purposed, like this is real, you all. And I, as a man, can't make you understand it. I can talk to you about it. I can open up the word and, and, and preach it and teach it. It's only the Holy Spirit who can open up your eyes. Open up your ears, as we heard on Friday night. It is God who draws you to himself. And you're here today for a reason. 
It's not because you want to be here. <laughs> it's because God has you here for a reason. Because you remember, God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus. Like in the end, in the end of days when you're standing before him, what did you do with Jesus? You see, he can't just be a religion that's just a lot of talk. He can't be. There's so much more to Jesus. We are to live by his power. Because now as Christians... Because of Christ, we triumph, we have victory over the world, we have victory over that spiritual realm. It can no longer keep us enslaved and in shackles. We are free people to live differently, empowered by the Holy Spirit in this fallen world. Remember what I just said earlier, everything that has been pinned in this book has either happened, or it is happening, or it will happen. You can't stop it. No matter how much you don't want to believe, no matter how much you want to say, oh, okay, whatever. No, no, it's happening. And it's the most craziest thing when your eyes are open and you go, oh, all of this is real. Like, oh God, you're real. Like, for years, I laughed, I mocked. Whatever. Have your Jesus. I'm going to do what I want to do. Oh, and somehow I thought I was the wiser one. No, I was a fool. Why do you want to keep living like a fool, Rob? When God has revealed himself to you, why would we want to fight to keep our rights? I don't want, I don't want... Because I want to still do. Do what? Do what? Do what? What are you clinging to? That you are holding on to and pushing Christ away. Like he's come to set the captives free. He is victorious. He's not a weak-willed God. He's not a hippie, this weird thing that people make him out to be. No, he's God. He's God. He's God. And we've got to be careful. Are we listening to man? Are we listening to the enemy? That's what I keep telling you. You can't learn about Jesus from the enemy. And you can't learn about Jesus from a man or a woman who isn't walking with Jesus. <laughs> because they're going to tell you about the wrong Jesus. The Antichrist spirit has been loosed upon this earth. And at some point, it would dwell within a man. Who is going to show up on this earth to deceive many, and people will flock to him. They will be amazed by the miracles that he can do and the so-called peace that he's bringing to the world, and he will take his place on the most holy of holy places, and then he will declare, I'm God. And people will be deceived. People will be deceived. 
So I'm not sure what we're doing as the church on this earth. I don't care what your age is. If you're saying you're a Christian, oh, it's time to gird yourself up. It's time to dress for battle. It's time we can't just be people who just show up to church anymore. Like we have to be people who are living it. Because we recognize the time and the days in which we're living. Like deception, deception, lies. People are being lied to today to keep division brewing. I mean, just look at just look what's happening in our nation alone. We are under an attack in our nation, not by a physical force, but by a spiritual force. And it is moving so quickly throughout our land to deceive so many people and to keep people enslaved to fear, enslaved to division, enslaved to their desires, just enslaved. And even to think that there's an agenda to push socialism into this nation. And I keep telling you, socialism is a godless form of government. Mm -hmm. So don't you think that the enemy isn't behind everything that's taking place? Have you seen what's happening in Venezuela? Mm -hmm. These people are fighting for freedom. For 20 years, they used to be a very, very... um, Wealthy nation, prosperous nation, but they bought into the lie that's been feeding, being fed to us. And for 20 years, they've lived under oppression. They don't even have food, you all. Careful who you're listening to. I mean, we're even seeing it on television, what's happening down there, and yet the people here are embracing it. They can't see. And so that's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't look at the natural. You better start looking spiritually and going, deception is at the highest we have ever seen it before. People are being deceived. Things are coming up and coming out. (laughs) And you know what? It's all right here, written in this book. And if you are not in fellowship with God, if you're not reading his word and applying it, if you're not seeking him, you're not finding him. The Bible says if you seek him, you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart. This isn't some just like, oh, okay, I'll read today, oh, okay, whatever. And you come with that type of attitude because that's nothing. Like God is pleased to reveal himself. Here I am. I love you. I am for you. I'm not against you. I've got plans for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. And we say, no! We want to live how we want to live and do what we want to do. Oh! Then go for it. He turns you over. Have whatever you want. But he's always there, trying to get your attention, trying to bring you to himself. Come on, y'all. 
Jesus doesn't mince words. He's very clear. Go to Matthew chapter 12 for me. Matthew chapter 12. And as, as we're turning there, we're going to go to verses 24 to, yeah, 24 through 37. And I want you to think about this as we're turning to Matthew. And as we're, we're having a, an understanding today about the spiritual realm. It is not greater than God. Remember, it's already been defeated. It's already been stripped of its power. And you say, well then, why is it still doing what it's doing? Because its time isn't up yet. Everything is planned and purposed. The enemy knows his time is up. Remember when we've read in the Bible, where even the demons look at Jesus? What are you doing here? Is it time? Oh, they know a time is coming. Think about your life for a moment. Think about all the pain, the suffering, the loneliness, the abuse. Think about since you took your first breath and you entered into this fallen world. Think about all your desires that pull you away from Jesus. Think about where you've been this week, this morning, last night. Think about it. What's keeping you from surrendering to Jesus? The enemy has been out. Oh, the enemy has a plan for your life. He has a plan to steal. He has a plan to kill. And he has a plan to destroy. Listen, in your rebellious nature, because we're all born into sin... We are born into rebellion towards God. And so the only one that we can yoke ourselves to is the enemy. Your flesh loves him. The world is infatuated by him. And yet God has already destroyed him. He has already stripped him of his power. So it doesn't matter what he has done to you since you took your first breath. It doesn't matter the pain and the hurt and the abuse and the insecurities and all this other weird stuff that we fall enslaved to. When you come to Christ and you accept Christ, your life is born again. As we discussed on Friday night, you are a new creation. You're learning how to live differently now. Not the same messed up way. And then just slapping Jesus on your on, on your on your on your on your body, on your on your life. <laughs> no, you are a new creation. You are living now above the natural, above <laughs> the spiritual realm of the enemy. And above the world, you are no longer pulled. Though they will keep trying to entice you, though that they will keep trying to make you identify with them, you in Christ can say, I am no longer 
alive. I am dead to this and then made alive into Christ. Like you begin to walk differently. You begin to talk differently. You begin to think differently. You begin to live differently. And everything in this world and in the spiritual realm takes notice. And they can't stop it. Because what Christ begins, Christ completes. And so your hope every day is in Christ, that you are for Him and not against Him. You're not living against Him anymore. Your eyes have been opened. Your ears are listening. And you go, wait a minute. Yes, I want to live for you, Lord. And again, it's not about being perfect, but it is about maturing. It is about growing up. It's not allowing sin and the forces of hell and the things of this world to distract you any longer. You get up every day behind enemy lines. You make it clear that the victory that you're walking in today is only found in Christ and in Christ alone. You announce it every day throughout the day to whom you belong. And you begin to grow as a Christian. As a Christian in this God-forsaken world. Listen to Jesus' words. Matthew 12, verse 22 through 37. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan. The prince of demons... Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, Here are Jesus' words. Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And as Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcist? They cast out demons too, so they will commend, condemn you for what you have, have said. But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Verse 30, Jesus' Jesus's words. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, 
How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. These are Jesus' words. I know we like to make Jesus this weird guy who was just weak-willed, just a, just a man that we can just push around, but we can't, y'all. He's God. And he was exposing the religious people of the day. He was exposing them for who they were and for what they were causing. And did you hear verse 30? Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. See, you're either for him or you're against him. There's no gray area. Well, I'll be a half-time, part-time Christian. No, no, no. You're either for him or against him because this message is so much greater than our little lives on this earth. This message is an eternal message that will impact people's lives for eternity. And that is the heart of Christ. Remember, God's plan is to have a people that he will call his own, and in return, they will call him their God. They will live for Him. They will honor Him. They will obey Him. Not out of being forced, but out of love. Like, oh, that our eyes would be open to see beyond this temporalness of life. That we will lift up our eyes and lift up our heads and look for our bridegroom, the one that is returning for us. The one that we have been united with. Look what he says here. These were the religious men of the day, you all. And yet they were so far from him. The religious men of the day, and yet they were so far from him. See, that's why we can't just be a lot of talk. Like either we're with him or we're actually working against him. And I keep telling you all, what we are warned as, as Christians is not the world. We're not war- warned against the lost. We already know because we've already been there. We all come from the world because <laughs> we're all born in sin. We know what it's like to be enslaved, to have been abused, to, to have been neglected, to have been bullied, to have been whatever we've endured, full of pride, full of gossiping. You know, whatever, whatever your flavor of sin was. Remember I told you the gospel in which we preach is the same gospel that I would preach to anybody <laughs> who is not a Christian, it's the same gospel. I don't change it just from where you come from. It's the same message. It's the message of hope and message of freedom that is found in Christ. That you must die to yourself, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Him. 
He's king. We come with pleasure to serve him. We come with hope and expectations when we gather as the church because we're among brothers and sisters who have been transformed from the world into his kingdom. And so we we don't look at the world and hate them. They already stand judged. Just as we already stood judged. That's why the Bible says Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. Because the world already stands condemned. Remember, the wrath of God is being held back. And there's going to be a time when God is going to say, Go get my children, and the the body of Christ will be gathered up. But those who are left are going to experience the wrath of God. And everyone would have had a chance to respond, but people just aren't responding because they love their lives. And what's sad is, a lot of people who are loving their lives don't even have a life. Mm -hmm. They're beat down, broken, depressed, (laughs) and yet they'll still cling to the brokenness when wholeness is being offered to them. How sad. How sad. So what are we warned in? Who are we to be careful of? Who are we to be, be mindful of that, is, that, that, that the Bible tells us all through Scripture? People who hold a form of religion but deny the power of God. People who show up for church and really aren't Christians. People who hold a form. People who, who are actually working against what Jesus has called us to do. And the church has been warned since the church was birthed in the book of Acts. We were warned, they're coming in. They're coming in and they're coming for you. Religious people. They're coming in and they're coming for you. They're going to preach a different gospel. They're going to give you the rights to yourself. They're going to work their hardest to persuade you to follow them and not Christ. We are warned. They are wolves in sheep clothing. We are warned constantly. Constantly. And look how Jesus ends this verses that we just finished. A tree is identified by its fruit. And the end of it all they will be exposed. Because remember, the enemy, the Bible says, comes as an angel of light. It masks the very thing in which it's trying to keep others from. That's how the enemy works. But in the end, the very fruit will be exposed. And people who hold a religious mindset and a religious heart, they can't keep it up forever. It will be exposed. And it will be addressed. We must remember, we're either for him or we're working against him. You see, God's kingdom is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Like God's kingdom... 
is one that has been established. And you got to talk yourself up every day. You got to speak forth what you know and what you believe. You got to get grounded in Christ so that you are dressing every morning as you're getting up to go out into a world that is going to scream at you to an enemy who's going to try to lure you to your own flesh that's going to try to come up and then the religious folks around you that's going to tell you stop taking it so serious you can always tell a religious person you ready for this so you walk away with something to know they will always challenge you as you go deeper with Christ did God really say you're taking it too serious stop taking your walk with Jesus so serious it's okay it's okay and they exchange the truth for a lie you all you just gotta pay attention you just gotta listen you gotta watch you gotta say, oh, they say one thing, but they live a different way, and they even try to entice me to go that way. And then you should be on guard and go, hmm, yeah, something's, something's not right here. The Bible says to test the spirits. Just because people talk about Jesus don't mean they're of the family. Like you gotta be discerning. You're, you're, you've been awakened now. So you have to stay awake. You have to stay awake. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We saw this verse last week, but I want to put it before us again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 3 to 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 to 4. And remember, if you're just getting... Scripture and, 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 and fellowship just on Sundays, that's not enough. Like you need to be every day in the Word. <laughs> every day in prayer. In fact, the Bible says pray without ceasing. Like you have to live this. Just like how you lived before Christ, you poured everything and every ounce of you of who you thought you were into how you were living so it's no different now after being born again. You're pouring yourself into the things of Christ. You're learning of this new nature now. You're growing and you're maturing. And daily, daily, throughout your day, you're reminding. You're in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Remember, you're to walk with the Holy Spirit habitually. You're to be praying without ceasing. You're to be developing spiritual disciplines. And you're to be in fellowship with the body of Christ, with others who are eagerly expecting and waiting for His return. And while we're waiting, doesn't mean we're just sitting back doing nothing. Oh no. We're advancing His kingdom. We're sharing the gospel. We're living differently. We're loving. We're serving. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? Remember, that's, that's all, ultimately our goal is to, to reflect Him. 
so that people will see that, wait, there's something different about you. But we must be reminded, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. It is Satan that blinds the eyes of people. And we must be diligent in our praise and our prayer for them. Have you prayed for lost ones this week, you all? Have you prayed for people? Because if you're not, why aren't you? You should be praying for those that are lost. You shouldn't be influenced by them to go their way. You know, you should be praying for them, loving them, serving them, letting them see that there's a difference in you. They may push you aside. They may laugh at you. They may mock at you, but you don't take it personally because in, in, in truth, who are they pushing aside? Who are they laughing at? Yeah. Remember, you're no longer trying to find your worth for man. You're not living any longer trying to impress man. And you're living now to glorify God. Mm-hmm. So you recognize, wait a minute, I'm behind enemy lines. And he has the eyes of my loved ones blinded. Oh, the devil is a liar. And you get up and you begin to pray. God have mercy. God be pleased to reveal yourself to them through their through your son Jesus. God, that their eyes would be open. God send laborers along their path. And you begin to take notice and go, wait a minute. I know what it's like to live under that oppression. I know what it's like to live enslaved and in bondage. No more. And, in, and not in and of your own self, but in Christ, you're praying. And you're praying in alignment with his word over their lives, that they will see. See, it's a life to be lived. It's just not a life just to show up. Oh, I did what I did, okay. Because like I said, if it's just Sunday, like the world is getting darker, darker. the love of many is growing cold, Rebellion is on the heightened height. It's, it's rising up. The occult is like it's never been before throughout the earth. The levels are rising. And so don't think just an hour and a half on Sunday is going to do you. Like it needs to be a lifestyle, you all. Because everything that's out there is against everything you're saying you believe. And in the very one you believe in. So that's how we don't forsake gathering together. Like we, we're hungry. And we're feeding ourselves throughout the week. We're staying connected. Because we know what we're up against. And who we're up against. Go to Galatians chapter 6. 
Oh, that the enemy would be exposed today, you all, and that we would live differently. Galatians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 10. Galatians 6, verses 1 through 10. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. (laughs) Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible, look at that verse, for our own conduct. Those who taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the family of faith. We will harvest what we plant. What you sow to, you are going to reap. I know the world likes to call it karma, but the Bible's very clear. What you give yourself to, oh, it's coming forth. And the only thing that in and of yourself that you can sow to is the flesh. And the only thing that nature knows how to produce is death and decay. That's why I always tell you, what does your flesh know to do? Die. That's why it drags you to the very things that wants to kill you. An overabundance of stuff. All that this world has to offer. Oh, it looks good. It looks enticing. But in the end, it's death. And decay. There's death and decay. Feels good for the moment. But behind it, it's death and decay. Stop telling me how I'm to live. I want to do me. It's death and decay. Like, do you get it? We keep fighting for ourselves to live however we want and to do whatever we want and we make these weird excuses of why we haven't fully given ourselves to Christ but behind everything that we're clinging to is death and decay. 
But it looks good. It feels good. It must be right. Death and decay. That's all that's coming from it. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So don't grow tired. Like, Jesus understands that we're still behind enemy lines. In fact, go read in John where he prays for us. He says, I'm not asking you, Father, to take them from the world. No, but to keep them and protect them by my name. And then he sends us out. We're to do his will, you all. The one in whom we love. Our bridegroom. We're preparing. We're preparing. And we're utilizing the gifts in which he has given us. We're not hiding the light. No, we're allowing the light to shine from our lives. So that others will know that there is hope beyond the temporalness of this life. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10 through 18. The final word it says here in verse 10 of chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Not in your mighty power. Don't be strong in your self-confidence. No, your strength can only come from the Lord and His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I've always said to you all, it fascinates me that the church, the bride of Christ, is ignorant not all of them, but unfortunately, especially in the Western church, we're ignorant to the spiritual war. You need to know your enemy, but you don't make your enemy greater than your God. So you have to make sure you're keeping it right because there is a lot of people who are chasing after devils and there's a devil behind everything. And we conjure up things that make them greater than our God and now we're afraid of the devil. That's not how we live. That's not the proper way of warfare. We already recognize that the enemy is defeated. We already recognize because the Bible tells us that the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. We already recognize that we're living behind enemy lines. But God is greater. That's what gets us up. To go forward. To live differently. To honor God. 
Your life is a testimony to the spiritual realm as we read last week. Of the mighty power of God. Hell should quake when you get up every morning. Not because of you, but because Christ in you. Hell should be intimidated that the church is awakening each and every single day throughout this earth. And hell is going to do all that it can to silence her. But like I said last week, or one of these nights that we met, you kill one, God will raise up ten. Amen. <laughs> you slaughter a whole village of Christians, and God will raise up twenty more. <laughs> you understand the kingdom that you're a part of. It's not a weird, like, oh, I'm just bored. I just want to... What are you doing? No! This is the kingdom of God, you all. This is where a missionary can be beaten, 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 arms broken, legs broken, left for dead. His wife could have been raped in front of him. His children could have been beheaded in front of him. The whole village is slaughtered. And they leave him for dead. But miraculously... God empowers him to crawl himself <laughs> with a little bit of strength that he has in a physical body that is well deformed now to be taken in for missionaries from another village healed recovers with only a few of his limbs <laughs> And when he has the opportunity to go to another country to live out his life, he says, no, I'm going back. And the natural, that doesn't make sense. What do you mean you're going to go back? And the new people who have moved into this little village area, who are not Christians, who are militant against Christians, they heard of what happened. And when the man comes back and preaches the gospel, the whole village gives their life to Jesus. And now they're going throughout their country declaring the good news. You kill one of us, God will raise up ten. God will raise up a hundred. You keep lobbing whatever you want against us. And God is going to accomplish all that God has set out to do. Because you're killing us, but you cannot kill him. And in fact, you may do whatever you want to this physical body. But death has already been defeated. So you may slaughter me here on this side of eternity, but I'm only going to awaken up on the other side full of life. Amen. In fact, it's what the scripture we read about. It doesn't say we're going to be swallowed up by death. No, we're going to be swallowed up by life. Mm. So we live differently, you all, behind enemy lines. We live differently. 
Like, oh, come on, Lord. We are in agreement with His plan and His purpose to see the kingdom of darkness lose its grip over the lives of our lost loved ones. Not to live alongside them like them. Because as we read earlier, then we're working against who? Jesus. <laughs> it goes on here. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts and fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Oh, there is a way in which the church should be living. It's just not a little Sunday school message and then we just pat everybody on the head, give them cookies and juice, and send them on their way. No, we've got to build each other up. We've got to encourage each other. Like, stand and stand firm. Like, we're all going to get bombarded. But collectively, we can stand in the assurance of who? Our God. I watched a movie, one of my favorite movies yesterday. I haven't watched it in years. I don't even know when it came out. But it's called The Kingdom of Heaven. It's pretty violent and it's pretty gross. But it has to deal with the crusades that took place years ago. And Christians get a bad name because of the crusades. In fact, people will now point to them, well, Christians were just as bad as Muslims. Look how bad they were. Well, in reality, those people who were claiming to be Christians during that time weren't Christians because that's not how Christians live. So they're holding the name. Anyways, but there was this other sect of people who believed that all the different religions could live peacefully in Jerusalem. But these so-called Christians... And then the Muslims, they wanted Jerusalem. Everybody wants Jerusalem. That's why I told you. That's why I keep telling you. Keep an eye on Israel. Remember what I said? Everything here is coming to pass. This, this isn't just a make-believe book. This is the living word of God. And everything that's in it is happening. Look at Israel. Watch what's happening. Because you're going to get a sense of what God is doing. Anyways, back in this day... It was a hot mess, as it is today. But anyways, so these little group of people, these so-called Christians, they're provoking war with the Muslims. They want to kill them all. And the Muslim wants to kill all the Christians. And then you have these little people in the middle who is just trying to live peacefully. Why are we fighting? Why are we doing this? Anyways. So the king of the so-called Christians, who, have Jeru- who they have Jerusalem, 
decides that he is going to march out now. Well, this main character who's, who's learning of who he, he's just trying to find redemption and forgiveness. But then he comes to find out that he's actually bloodline of someone who is very um, well-known and popular. He's a knight, if you would. Um, so he warns the king, that's what they want you to do. You can't march your army out there in the desert without water. This is what they want. And the king in his arrogance says to him, if I want to hear from a, what was he? The iron, a welder or whoever. It was a blacksmith. A blacksmith, I would ask. I don't need a blacksmith to tell me how to go to war. I said, isn't that true? I'm just like the enemy. All right, well, march your army out there. And he did. It's a huge scene. He's marching his army. And all of a sudden, the soldiers are falling. They're falling over dead because of heat and exhaustion. No water. Anyways, they get slaughtered. They get slaughtered. And now they're approaching Jerusalem. And this guy, all he has is the common people and a few priests who were telling him, let's just run, let's just run, let's just run. And the guy was like, well, what about the people? And the priest was like, oh, well, God be with them. But get us out of here. Again, these are religious people. They claim Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. It's always been that way. They're only thinking of themselves. They don't care about the common people. But our God cares about the common folk. And the man is like, no. And he was like, but you don't have knights. You don't have warriors. And then he looks around and all these men, these young men, and they're just standing there. And these older men are just standing there. They know they're about to be slaughtered. Then he looks at them. He says, kneel down, kneel down. And because now that he's a knight himself, he's found his true identity. He begins to knight the other ones. And then he gives the speech that his father gives, gives him. Basically, the speech that you hear throughout Scripture. Love justice. <laughs> Do Show mercy. <laughs> it's a beautiful speech. And I, I tears my eyes because these men stand up for the first time in their lives. Because the majority of them were slaves. And now all of a sudden they have a purpose. Even when everything against them is telling them, you're going to die. And it's going to be brutal. And you say, why are you saying this? Because it ties into what I'm sharing with you today. We all come from common lives. The enemy is around, waiting to devour. We've been misled by so-called Christians. But Christ himself is standing. He's allowing us to have the very power that's been given to him. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. But first after you kneel down. And these men began to prepare under this guy's leadership. He's, he's beginning to prepare. And the queen, because the king has already been captured. He was a hot mess. 
he wasn't a Christian, even though he was calling himself a Christian. But the queen, there was some still innocence about her. But she still was clinging to her position. I'm the queen. I'm the queen. You know? So anyways, this one guy who, who, who is the, kind of the lead character, now he's prepping for war against an army. I, I, there's no way he could win. Unless God was with him. Unless God was with him. And he wasn't even strong in his faith. But he had enough belief to stand. And so he was diligent, preparing, marking. He knew, the, he knew his enemy. He knew how they would come to attack. He knew that they would come at the, at the, at the front of Jerusalem, at the main gate. If it wasn't so violent, I would have played the scene for you. This army comes, man. And I'm telling you, they took a beating, but they didn't fire back. In fact, the, the, the Muslim commander was like, why aren't they firing back? And the leader then said, like, I forgot how he said, but basically he knew, like, he knows our tactics. So they keep assaulting, they keep, God, I mean, they're lobbing everything. People are dying on the other side. But this leader said, no, no, wait, wait, wait. And as they keep, kept advancing forward and kept advancing forward, then he was like, attack! And then all of a sudden, Jerusalem's now in the war. It's, a, it's one of the best scenes ever. It happens days and days. What they thought, the enemy, what he thought was going to be simple to take over, whew, he had to fight. And then finally, the scene comes in. It comes to, they couldn't get through the main entrance. But because of all the bombarding, there was another area that became weak. And the man, the, the main character, begins to turn his army, his newfound men of courage. And he says, we must stand and defend. If you turn back on this, like your families are going to be destroyed. He gives another incredible speech. And these men take up their arms and they know what's going to happen. They know the hell that is coming through. And so as they're preparing, the, 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 the enemy hears about the weakened wall on this side. So they shift their tactic. And now they're going for what is weak. Are there weak areas in your life, you all? Is there hidden sin still in your life? Is there an area that you're just refusing to let God be Lord over? <laughs> oh, the enemy knows. And that's where he's coming. And that wall comes crumbling down and those men stand and they were being slaughtered and the other men would stand up. They were doing whatever it was taken to keep them out. And 
And then finally, after days of, I mean, slaughtered you all, the enemy, the king, meets with this knight. And the knight tells the king, I don't come to offer any terms of peace. Oh, before he goes out to meet the king, do you know what the priest tells him? <laughs> the priest, who is supposed to be the God-fearing man, tells this knight guy, let's all convert to Muslim. And we can repent later. So he just looks at him and says, you know what, I've learned a lot about religion from you. He's not impressed anymore with these so-called priests. So he goes and he tells the king, he's like, listen, I didn't come with terms of peace. What is it that you want? And then the king tells him, I want this city. Why? He says, why? Why are y'all fighting for this city? Oh, because he does threaten the king. Oh, you can keep coming, but I'll burn everything down here. All the relics and everything that you want from this place, I will destroy it. And this city will burn to nothing. And then the king was like, well, all, all of you will be slaughtered. And he says, so? The guy was like, well, so? Basically, everything you're trying to get will be gone. So then finally, the king proposes a term. Let me have the city. I'll let you all leave. Everyone can. I'll spare everyone's life. And he said, well, then he was defeated. No. His whole point of the fight was not to keep the city. It was to protect the common people. And then he looks, and he goes back, and he tells them, I've surrendered Jerusalem. We all can leave. We all can keep our lives. He says, if this is the kingdom of God, if this is what God wants, then let God fight for this. But I've done what I've come to do, and that's basically to protect you all. We can leave with our lives. And so then basically the queen comes to him. After during this whole thing, she, she transitions to getting out of her position as a queen and becoming a common person. But basically she questions him about her, her status and them being together. And he says, as long as you're the queen, I won't come for you. So on this huge move of everyone leaving, he's on this horse. And he looks and he sees her walking. And queens don't walk. They're, they drive or people carry them. And then he recognizes, he gets off the horse and he says, well, a queen doesn't walk but she's given up her position as the queen to be among the common people. And listen, you say, but what is all that for? Because listen, that's the church, you all. We're not fighting for possessions. We're not fighting for territories. We're not fighting to have and to keep and to maintain in this temporal life. No, our battle is much greater. We're fighting for the souls of common people. 
who need to hear of the kingdom of God. And we are going to be bombarded and bombarded by the enemy. But we are to stand. We are to dress for battle. It's not just a kumbaya message. It's not that we can just be a lot of talk. No, it's have to be who you are. It's just how you're living. It's who you're becoming. Don't put the pressure on yourself to be perfect. None of us are. Just get up each day believing. Just get up each day believing. I wanted to be inspired yesterday. That's why I watched that. And then the other movie that inspires me, and then as I'm telling you about this one, go to Jude. And that's where I'm ending today. In, in the book of Jude. So yesterday was just a day for me to be inspired. As I watched Return of the Sith. It's a Star Wars movie. And you say, well, how does that inspire you? Because I love the story between good and evil. And a lot of movies and a lot of things, that's what you see, it's good and evil. There's always a battle. And Darth Vader, before he becomes Darth Vader, he's got a lot of in, in internal um, struggles. He's got a lot of pride and he's got, he's got a lot of fear. And he doesn't want his wife to die because he's beginning to have dreams of her death. And now he wants to know how to stop death. And the Sith Lord picks up on his fear. He picks up on his weaknesses. Now, before he's Darth Vader, he's being groomed as a Jedi, as, as one of the good guys as a person of righteousness to establish order. The force be with you. But now he's conflicted because he's seeing the Jedi order do things that are contrary to how they're supposed to be. So it's causing confusion. Oh, it doesn't that happen in the church? You go to church, you think you're around the, the Christians, the Jedis, the people who are of peace and of order, and yet you look at some of them and you go, and you hear them speak, and you go, well, something's out of order here. You're already bound by fear and insecurity. You've got all this stuff going on, and you're just looking for some direction. And the enemy picks up on it. So the enemy begins to mess with his mind. Oh, I can teach you how to save her. And he gives and tells them the story. Now, Jedi's will never tell you this, but I can show you. Anyways, he falls to the dark side. And he ends up killing the very one he was trying to save. And there's a scene where he's fighting the very the guy who 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 um was his was his trainer. 
you know, his teacher. And his teacher, the very thought of having to destroy him is, is hurting him. But he recognizes, like, there's, there's, you're, there's no hope. Like, you're bad. You've gone too far to the dark side. So there's this huge fight. And the leader's able to take the high ground. And the guy, before he comes dark later, because he's full of pride and arrogance, he thinks he can make it. And as he jumps up, his teacher has to lobs off his legs. He ends up falling into the pit of fire. Then he looks up at his teacher and he says, I hate you. And there's been many times that that's been me saying that to God before I came to know him. I don't know about you, but I hated him for no reason at all. It was me that was the problem. It is you that is the problem. And maybe you, out of your mouth, didn't say it like I said it. But with your actions, you do. With your rebellion, you do. When you live out of your flesh, that's what you're declaring to him. I hate you. I want to live and do for me. And as we just read, all that comes from that is decay. It's death. And I go, God help us. But in the end, right before the one, his wife, before she dies, she looks at his teacher and she tells him, there's still good in him. And if you know the Star Wars movies, you know that a few movies later, his son, after she gives birth, his son who is now grown, sees the good that's in Darth Vader. And at the end of Darth Vader's life, he does come back to the right side. No one's too far gone, you all. There's always hope in Christ. Do you understand what we've been entrusted with as the church? To go out into this world and to bear his image, to love others, to serve others, to honor Christ, you all. Let's look at Jude. This is where we're closing. This letter from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy peace, and love. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about salvation we share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. And did you hear the, that terminology? To defend the faith. 
And that is my encouragement today. That's what I'm hoping to encourage you all in, is to defend the faith in a fallen world. That every day that you wake up, you have an opportunity to stand. To put on the armor and to go forth and to defend the faith. He goes, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Saying that God's marvelous grace, look at this and underline this, allows us to live immoral lives. That is what's happening in our generation at a greater level even than here in this generation. You have people on platforms Rather, they're singers, actors, politicians, people of influence, people even in the church, people even in the world. They say they are Christians, and they say, look at this, that God's marvelous grace allows them to continue to live immoral lives. Lives that are so opposite of Jesus. Do you understand what you're contending for? You're contending for truth. You're contending for faith because everything that is out there is against it. So you're not to be swayed by people who say, well, I love Jesus, but I'm living however I want. I'm still this. I'm still that. I can still do whatever I want. Who? As it was then, so it is now, and so it will continue to get at a greater level as it's approaching his return. And if we can't stand today, Oh, God, help us. He goes on. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So, I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and served as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tells them. And so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them. For they follow in the steps of Cain who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceived people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. 
They are like shameless, shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn and are doubly, doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by their roots. They are like wild waves of the sea churning up the foam of their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars doomed forever to the blackest darkness. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. He's exposing what's going on, not in the world, but in the church. See, we already know how the world lives. We were once there. But sitting amongst the church, you, you should be among your people. Um, but not everybody is in it for the right reasons. Remember the enemy. The Antichrist spirit has already been loosed. Everything's against Jesus. Everything's trying to keep people from Jesus. Why would you want to keep people from Jesus? He is a peaceful, loving, giving man, God himself. There's no wrong in Jesus. And yet, his very name can barely be spoken. His very word can ba barely be read or talked about. The governments want to shut it down. People are being slaughtered for it. Why? Because you have the spiritual realm that is doing everything it can because it's no, he knows his time is near. And so he doesn't parade the world, if you would, that's blatantly living worldly into the church. No, he parades people who pretend to be of the church and yet live ungodly lives. And I love how he finishes this letter. He calls the church to remain faithful. Oh, he was hoping to write about the great salvation in which they are holding on to and expecting. But he realizes, oh, wait a minute. There's something going on in the church. There's people influencing people that ought not to be. And so then he exposes them, but then he closes, as I will close today, with a call to remain faithful. He says, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus predicted. They told you that in the last times there will be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, dear friends must build each other up in your most holy faith, 
Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. This is a short little letter packed with so much truth. So much truth. A call to remain faithful. Be watchful. Be mindful. Again, I pray that our eyes are opening when it comes to your spiritual life. Why do you think you can be entertained for hours in the natural? But let's start talking about something spiritual and your mind's all over the place. (laughs) You can't focus. You can't think. You forget exactly what you just walked out of. (laughs) This is real life, you all. Again, I used to be one who mocked it. It was like, oh, Oh, they're crazy. But now that my eyes have been opened, I go, oh, Jesus. This is real. This is real. This isn't (laughs) make-believe. This is real life. There is an eternal life awaiting us. And I pray that we would be those who are in Christ. That's my prayer for us. Not to scare you over judgment or not to scare you over hell. But that is a reality. Your choice. But God begins this work in us. Because he's pleased to reveal himself to us through his son, Jesus. Jesus came for all of us. No matter what your sin is, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you may be struggling with, no matter what or who you are, Jesus came for you. He loves you. He loves me. He wants to start something within us that he's responsible for, not you. So when you accept him, when you, when, you, when you believe in your heart that he is the son of God and you confess with your mouth that he's been raised from the dead, like you were born again, not of anything that you have accomplished, not by making yourself right and look, I do everything good. No, 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 no. Don't make it about you because this life is not about you. It's about him. Because remember, even as a Christian, once you accept him, how do you live now? To reflect his image. And this is a beautiful way to remember it. Stand up every day and open up your arms. I'm to reflect his image. And do you see what image I'm reflecting? The cross. 
His love. That he gave himself. So Rob, give yourself daily. Serve daily. Love daily. But it goes against everything that I want to do, God. Well, your life isn't about you anymore, Rob. It's about me. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Well then, go. Bear my image. It's not easy, you all. I will never tell you the Christian life is easy because Jesus himself doesn't tell us that. He doesn't say, go and live your best life now. He says, no, they're going to hate you as they hated me. They're going to kill you and they're going to think they're doing God's work by doing so. And you say, oh, but that's not good news. Who wants that? I want it. Because I want Jesus. See, it's not a fluff piece of cakewalk. It's the reality of life. The enemy cannot destroy my very soul. He may destroy my body. But he can't have my soul. He can't have the very essence of who I am. Because from this life, I'm swallowed up into life itself forevermore, forevermore. And that's what we live for every day. Like our eyes have been opened. Oh, I don't need all this crazy stuff out here. Yes, it's fun. Yes, it's nice. Yes, whatever. Oh, but it's not who I am anymore. (laughs) And that's where we should be growing and maturing, no matter what your age is. Oh, how I wish... I would have accepted Jesus earlier in life. And I wish I would have had the wisdom and the knowledge. And I didn't run from wisdom, but I heard wisdom. And I stayed. Oh, I'm so happy, though. That the time of my life did come. That God was pleased to reveal himself to me through his son. At the right time. And that's what I pray for all of us. Because there's work to be done, you all. It's getting crazier out there. And crazier out there. And darker out there. I'm just going to end with this one little last piece. We are living in a day. Hear this. Where, let's just use our nation as an example. Like, what I'm hoping is that your eyes would start being opening and watching what's going on around you. That you would start learning about this spiritual realm that is out to dis- for destruction. We are living in a day where everyone wants to come to America. And do you know why they want to come to America? Because they know if they work hard... They can become whatever they set themselves out to do. They they are pursuing the American dream. If we come here, we work hard, we'll be able to have things. We won't be without. We will be dedicated. We will be diligent to go and to become. And so people all around the world seek to come to America. But 
we as Americans, what do we hear? There's so much stuff being thrown out to us that makes us hate our country. There's so many minorities that are being held back because they're being told they can't achieve because everyone else is in their way. There's groups that are trying to to take hold and bring in socialism into our country that throws God completely out and ravishes our land and they say, hate the wealthy people. It's all of their fault. And we'll give you everything you need. And then if you flip on to Venezuela, you see that those people bought into that lie. And now they're being ran over by tanks from the people that are still trying to stay in power. You see, something weird is happening. Something odd is happening in our nation. Something weird is happening throughout the earth. The the levels are rising of wickedness, of perversion, of the occult, of everything that is dark. And that's not time for the church to be scared, you all. It's when the church is supposed to shine because we've been told by Jesus that is what will happen before he returns. So, as you see it getting darker and crazier and the lies and the deception is running amok, know this, the day of his return is approaching. And so we don't have time to play kumbaya and to play church. Oh, it's time, y'all, to be alert and say, oh, wait a minute. Like when I see these Venezuela people out on those streets, I get chills just talking about it. Have you all not watched it? Have you not turned on the television and seen? Because a lot of news people aren't showing it. So go on social media. Go go on my page where I posted it. These people are out on the streets fighting for freedom. They want their freedom back. What they were sold 20 years ago destroyed their lands. They had no food. They had no power. They had no running water. And they used to be one of the wealthiest nations. Very prosperous. But they were told, we'll give you everything you want. We'll pay for your schools. We'll do this. We'll do that. The government will take care of you. And the government's killing them. And that's what they want to turn our nation into. And yet, people overseas, when they think of America... They go, it's a land of opportunity. Doesn't matter what my, what my race is. Doesn't matter where I've come from or anything. If I can just get there, I can succeed. And oh, why don't we tell each other that? We, I believe, we live in a nation where we have every opportunity to succeed. And I share that with you to show you the forces that are at war, work. And so as the church, we need to awaken. We need to awaken. And to say, God, open my eyes. God, have mercy. 
God, I want to be one who I read about today who's able to stand and know that I'm called to bear your image. I'm going to close this with this last song, then I'll close this in prayer. Rising again, I bless your name, cause you are my